Welcome to Brothers King Media, where we view eternity through the lens of art. My name is Samuel. And I'm Solly. And we are back. After um, no one listened to our other series. Yeah, yeah. But we're, so, we're still back. Yeah, the series has been <laughs> banded from all media well, due no, to the strict <laughs> content of boring. <laughs> so we um, actually are going to change up our format a little bit and make this more of a variety talk show. Um, that way, when we have people join us, they're not, like, caught in the dark and are like, oh, you mean I have to listen to six months of David Crowder Band or whatever artist I am going for at that moment right. to catch up with us. It's only still stuck on your mind because we only spent six months on it. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> anyway. Um, so this is going to be a bit more of a variety show. Um, maybe I'll do other shows on YouTube that will be more focused on individual artists or individual albums. Right. We'll see about that. So, first topic of the day, we're going to go ahead and go for, and this is, um, I would hope to make this a weekly thing, maybe a little bit shorter, only 15 minutes or so. So, first topic of the day, what's on the billboard, um, Christian billboard, top 100? Specifically, what's at number one? Right. So, what's at number one today, Solomon? I think we have Lauren Daigle. Yes. Say. And um, it's been on the charts for like 33 weeks. It won't die. No, it won't. Like, has it? It's been, yeah, it's been on there for weeks. Uh, 33 weeks. 33? Yes. Almost a year. I don't know. Is that almost a year? 52 weeks is a year. You're right, you're right. It's no, I, I think that's just, year. I think it's 33 weeks it's been on the charts. I don't know about. Well, still. But still, being on the charts for 33 weeks. a year on the charts? With one song. Yeah, with one song. Like, that's. A lifetime. We've written... No, okay, it's nothing about us, but... I mean, like, that's what Lifehouse did when Hanging by a Moment. Just It never hit number one, but it spent a year on the charts. Yeah, it spent a so year that's, on the top 100. And that made Lifehouse's career. Right. You know. Um, so what did you think of this song, um, You Say, Solomon? What do you say about You Say? Well, who's to say? <laughs> no, anyway. <laughs> um... I don't know, this song, I mean, like, obviously, because, you know, she threw God, but, you know, you say, I am yours, God, I believe. That's the main reason why it's really on Christian radio. Well, I feel also, like, she signed I to mean, a Christian record label. she is signed label. to a Christian record label. But I feel like that's, like, yes, you could take that song without putting the word God in there. And and, even, and it e could still mean God. You could still be talking to God. But I feel like the song's more... I feel like when she was writing it, yeah, you know, she put God in there because that's part of her deal with the record label. But I don't feel like she was just writing it just to God. I feel like she was using it for, you know, like... Parents. When I look, parents, yeah. When I look at, like, the people that I don't fit in with, my parents still tell me I, I'm enough. My pastor still tells me that I'm enough. My friends still tell me that I'm enough. And, you know, it's just like that whole... That's It's just that whole thing about there is positivity, yeah. Even though you don't feel like your life is in the best place, there's still positivity. And you know, I have nothing against a song that's just about your friends telling you you are enough. I think that's a really good song. Right. Um, and even the You Say God I Believe could even be taken as not talking about God, but using it more of like a as an exclamation, you know, like, God, I believe. Right, uh, yeah. So even that, I see why it's crossed over. Right, like it's it has much crossover appeal, and I would say a very positive mes message. Uh, yeah, 
is it um it does borderline on that thing Christian music did for a long time in the late 90s where it's like this could be about God could be about someone else I'm gonna purposely be vague right it does fall a little bit into that but I feel like she's being sincere yeah I feel like she's being sincere I don't feel uh, yeah like it wasn't like an overwhelming amount of God even though okay I'm not saying like you know as a Christian myself there's nothing wrong with an overwhelming amount of God but I'm saying like she wasn't forcing it into the Christian uh and I don't feel like she was forcing it for secular. Like, I don't feel like she right. wrote it going, this is going like, to be a crossover here. Yeah, honestly, I don't feel like she was really forcing it. Like, the song doesn't sound forced. It's super simple. Uh, the, the lyrics, yes, they are good, but they're super um, relaxed. They're not nothing deep, nothing profound. Yeah, I think she it, was... I feel like she was just sitting down and writing her feelings. That's how I feel about this song. Yeah. And, and that's, that's how I want to feel about any song I listen to. I just wrote down what was in my head. Right, I just wrote down... What was going through my mind that day. And that's where this song came from. Wow, it's a hit. Cool. I'm glad my thoughts count. You know? <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, if, if it happens to have Christian language or theology in it, I feel like that's just because you're a Christian and it shines through. Not right. because you're forcing it. Yeah. I feel like a lot of Christian music is uh, kind of forced. Very forced. Um, I mean, let's take, for instance, um, and I won't get stuck on this too long, but take, for instance, um, some newsboys, um, particularly modern day newsboys, but even like 90s newsboys, they wrote some so, darn good alternative he, rock. What he's saying is newsboys via Michael Tate. And some Peter Furler. So, so, yeah, so, okay. You could tell, uh, like, Let's straight up just say Peter Furler, he, yes, he is a good writer. I still love every song he writes. And Steve Taylor wrote and with Steve him. And Steve Taylor wrote with him back in the day. But like, you know, does he still write with him? Uh, I don't know. I think that they still kept the whole... I they, I think they, they might still be doing like, it on the new album. I yeah, don't know. on the new album, I know he's got a lot of. His I hope hand Steve into Taylor. It. Because see, that's the thing is like Steve Taylor kicked butt when he was writing with him. And I mean, he wrote Breakfast. Yeah, Come Breakfast. On. Come on, <laughs> like he was like, yeah, I just got inspired while I was eating a bowl of cereal. <laughs> well, Steve Taylor's not Australian. Yeah, but... I know, but I'm thinking Peter Furler. <laughs> um, well, neither here nor there. What I was going to say is, I listened to their Thrive album back from 2002. Yeah, today. that was very, very, very prominent Christian. And it's a very good album. I love very it. Very good. But I feel like in some places he forced the uh, "We Are Christian, Don't Forget It" a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Um, there was a few places where I feel like they were trying to write like a Smashing Pumpkin song, and they're like, "Oh wait, but we're Christian. I gotta add a verse in here." Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, they were so close to like just writing what they just wanted. Right, and I mean, like, straight up, like, about that whole deal. Yeah, they wrote the, what they wanted. Like, obviously, I w like, I'm not them, but, like, if I was on a record deal, I wouldn't write something I didn't want to. Obviously, there's standards you have to hold to stay with that deal. Mm -hmm. But, like, I feel like a lot of times they, because of the deal that they have going and because of the requirements, they met the need, but they... Still did it in the most creative way possible. Yeah. So I, I. Oh, they're still they're yeah. my they're my they're, top they're ten still, bands yeah. for a reason. You yeah. Know? There's yeah they're still my top ten. Yeah. At least. But so going back to the Lauren Daigle song, I feel like it's a very good song. Um, I like the Adele influence because I am an Adele fan. Right. You know, I like the influence of that. I would. I like just that. Um, simplistic, where it has almost a timeless feel to it. Like, this song could exist in 1970. Right. This song could yeah, exist I mean, in the 90s. I mean, obviously, it wouldn't have existed with all the synth. 
Yeah, but there's not a whole lot of singing. Right. Like, it if you just took just the piano line and her voice. Yeah, but it would have also had more of a classical piano, like, sound, like a, they would have, they would have made it like a, like, yeah, let's just say, since it's Christian, let's say Keith Green played piano for her. Yeah. There we go. That, I feel like that's the way it would go, like, you know, it wouldn't be so straightforward, yeah. you know? That's how I feel. I mean, I'm not saying but, that the music was bad. It's just, like like I said, I feel like when she was writing it, it was just like this simple thought and idea in her head. She didn't want nothing big and massive out but of it. I like that kind of timeless sound. Yeah. I wish more artists would do that. Yeah. that's. I feel like that's the way it should be. Like, I, I mean, when I'm writing, that's how I try to keep it. And, I mean, I haven't done that, like, the entire time I've been writing. I mean, when I first started writing as a 13-year-old, I was like, yeah, I'm going to sound just like Passion. <laughs> and I was like... I'm sorry. You know, I don't want to sound like Passion because I don't, I don't have the passion for that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that is um, the number one song on the billboards. That's our thoughts on it, along with other stuff. Right. <laughs> Lots of other stuff. So let's... Um, <laughs> I guess that's what we'll say for now. Yeah. Um, and then let's go ahead and go to the next new segment of our new format here. Yes. Um, whatever happened to that band yeah, and or artist? Whatever happened to that band? Yeah, speaking of that, let's talk about the Avid Light. What? Like, they were up and pumping for like a year and a month. And, you know, I don't know. People don't know who I'm talking about. And I know that, you know. Because no I mean, one if there's to us. if there's but, any <laughs> avid light fans out there, like put it in the comments. Like, I'd be curious yes, to see. We yes. would love to see how many avid, <laughs> how many of you guys are avid listeners. Because yeah, pun intended. Um, <laughs> yeah, but because like I just feel like that the avid light just did not last long enough, even for a band that we knew would not last. See, okay, I did not... I somehow missed the Avid Light. I, I listened to a few songs on YouTube, but I, I totally missed that train. So, what year was it they came around? It was a year... Well, it was, like, right after uh, the Digital Age's first rehearsal. So, like, it would have been 2012. Yeah, 2012. So, oh, man, that's eight years ago now, man. Yeah, eight years ago. Shoot. Well, eight years ago... No. Um, that eight years ago. This is seven years ago. Because yeah. it's 2019. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Seven years ago. <laughs> I am losing track of days. Yeah. It, hey, so, man. for those that are listening in the future, this is, um, we are currently in, uh, what is it? March of 2019. Yeah. Currently. Um, and actually, you know, apparently we're time travelers because we're actually in 2020 because... Apparently, it's been eight years since 2012. I know. I mean, this will <laughs> hypothetically still exist in 2020. Yeah, so. hypothetically. Neither here nor there. So, right. um, give me some background on the Avid Light. Who were they, Solomon? You know more about them than you me. Know this what? is like, like somewhere you actually know more than me. Imagine that. You know, the Avid Light, I don't remember all of their names, honestly. It's been a while since I've listened to them. I just, you brought up the whole where are they now thing, and I was like... The Avid Light, because, like, I mean, yeah, I listen to them because I'm a Crowder, a David Crowder band fan, mm -hmm. and uh, I liked the band, uh, The Digital Age, when they came out with their first re uh, rehearsal album, and uh, noticed that they had a lot of publicity going on their um, on their Asterisk Sound website, 
and down at the bottom it has like the bands that they're producing for and i saw this one that said the avid light and uh i think their hit was like um uh pursuit uh beautiful pursuit which it was a good song it was very christian you could tell it but it was a good song it was like for a, a couple was like in the worship genre um like yeah i mean i feel like it was more of a praise song okay than, so it was i mean yeah i was still in that praise worship okay was genre, it in the praise worship but, genre or was it in the more just um the more like uh, sidewalk prophets yeah type? i mean like yeah it hit the sidewalk prophet kind of thing okay but it was still like i mean at, you know how david frey is like He's talking about, you know, the love of God and then throws in Chuck Norris and Darth Vader. That's yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. I mean, they didn't do any, like, humor stuff like that. But, but like, they, they it just was, wrote songs yeah, that happened it to was Christians. just, yeah, it, it happened, yeah. Um, but I, I think the lead singer's name's Caleb. And, uh, anyway, so him and one of his friends, who was a guitar player, and how most bands start out, started this band, got a bass player, drum player. Uh, they released a... EP, and in between the EP and the release of their first album, and I'm sorry, consequently, due to the fact that I have not listened to them for a while, I do not know what their EP was called, and actually, yeah, I think it was actually uh, a self-titled EP. Okay. Um, which, yeah, that's that's very common for new bands, because they self-title their EP so that, you know, people are like, oh, it's the Avid Light, you if know? If I ever release an EP, it's going to be the EP EP? The EP EP. Yes. Anyhow, continue. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, we aren't releasing one together. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm fine with that. But anyway, um, so anyway, the, in between their first EP and their first, uh, full-length album, which I think that's like LP, right? Yeah. Their first LP. Um, the bass player left, and so they were left without a bass player, and it just kind of started falling apart from there, honestly. Yeah. I think after, you know, you're so long with a group, people start leaving, and you're just kind of, you get a little bit frustrated. Yeah. And well, I think that's really what happened. I mean, they wrote some more songs after that. Uh, the Digital Age was a big part of their career. They produced the, everything. I think they the Digital Age never write. really took off was the problem. Right. The Digital Age didn't really ever take off. But like, Astrid, they have a niche, but yeah, they're not. Astra's sound, they're still doing really good, apparently. Yeah. I mean, like, they're producing over 100 other artists right now. But the, so, I think they just, I think they're doing less, like, they're not, like, radio I feel, Yeah, I don't feel like they're, like, you know, tr they're doing a lot of, like, oh, we're going to this church, so, like, or not going to the church. They still do their uh, UBC. They're yeah. still at uh, United Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. They still do the worship music for that. And I feel like that's the main reason why they're writing. If they get a little bit of like, oh, we're, YouTube we're interested in this yeah. uh, song we'd like on the radio, they'd be cool with it. But I feel like, see, that's not my like about them. I don't feel sorry for them because... They're not on the radio. They're just doing what I they feel want like to do. they're just doing what they're wa they want to do, kind of like Crowder is now, you yeah. know. But yeah, the Avid Light, they were a good band. They just did not have enough um, steam going. Behind them. They didn't have yeah enough steam behind them, enough going for them um, to really draw a crowd. They were they were openers, and I'm pretty sure from the interviews I read or listened to uh, on YouTube that they were actually like not making money off the uh, opening. They were just opening just because it was a youth function that the yeah. Digital Age was playing at. So they were opening for the Digital Age who was the main band getting paid for it. Well, that reminds me of like two separate interviews that are kind of related to that. One was from 10th Avenue North. Yeah. And they was talking about how they didn't make any money their first few years as a band. Right. They, um, 
they were on the tour they had like three number one hits because their first album was huge like their first album i still think it's their best and wait which one was their first album it was over and underneath oh, okay. it had love is here by your side by my side yeah yeah so that album was huge that was huge it's still huge so That's, those are the three most listened to songs by them so they had like three number one hits right, right. and they said we were still just traveling in a minivan eating bologna because <laughs> we just had no money they had three hits out and they're just eating bologna and he said they so the person who was interviewing them said what kept you guys going as a band they said well, we went on tour with Mercy Me, and they let us um, they let us have a touring bus, and that really kept us from breaking up. Right. Because we just got lucky, and, you know, those guys are really good to us, because we was on the... And so that brings me to Hawk Nelson. Okay. Back in their early days, they... So they could never keep a uh, guitar player and drummer, right? Right. Particularly drummer. They so could it was never just keep... a singer and a bass player? <laughs> so Well, here's the thing. They started with four guys all from their little small town in Canada, right? Mm-hmm. And they Canadians, said, eh? Yes. <laughs> and they said after that first album, their drummer and guitar player left. And they said, it's just, that's, it's that first year on the road. That first year on the road is one of the hardest because you won't make any money. You miss your family and friends. You're working yourself to death. Right. And they said a lot of bands don't survive that first year on the road. And, you know, two guys from our band left. And I say all that to say, I think that's what happened to the Avid Light. They tried that first yeah. year, and it just slapped them dumb in the face. And they're yeah. like, you know what? I can go back home, work in my dad's carpenter shop, and be happy. Right. And still play guitar on the side. You yeah. Know, like, you know, they were just like, this isn't worth it. Right. And that's fair. I mean, I'm all for that, you know? Right. I mean, it, It's yeah, not everyone's cut out to yeah, do that not, lifestyle. I mean, that's... Okay. Like, that's what I'm... Like, I've been thinking about that a lot. Like... I want so bad, like, I really do. I wanted to make a career in writing music, playing music, touring. See, I wanted to make a career in that, but then as I got into the workforce and realized, hey, whoa, man, there's this there's this specific job called uh, music. But there's different, so many different areas in that job. Mm. Music isn't just the people who are writing it or the people who are traveling and singing it. Music's the producers, the engineering. Yeah. Music's the uh, writers. It's everything. And I realized, I was like, man, when I started working you know, at the body shop, I was like, I am not good at... I can't, if I tore a car apart, it would be an accident. Yeah. I can't just tear a car apart on purpose, but wow, I'm good at cleaning cars. But then I'm like, the next job is paint prep. And I'm like, I'm not good at paint prep. But now I'm doing parts management and I'm good with it. I'm I So I thought to myself, I was like, what parts of this job are you good at? Because like music... Of like music, what parts right, of music right. are you good at? Like, because everybody fantasizes so much to be this rock and roll uh, or rock star uh, or the rock, rock star. star. It's yeah. like, it's the myth of the rock right. star. It's, where... it's, right. But really behind every good band, like, like the other day. And I know, you know, this is a Christian, yeah. uh, this is you know, per se Christian group or, uh, or podcast, but I'm just going to throw in this little personal moment yeah. is I was just watching YouTube the other day and, you know, just, I wanted to see what, um, Brian May's rig was from Queen. Yeah. And and he is so good at his job that 
he does not use anything. But the secret behind the good guitar player is his engineer who runs the sound because the engineer actually runs all his effects. Mm-hmm. Brian doesn't mess with effects. He didn't grow up knowing effects. He didn't do that. So he was a good guitar player, but if you put a pedal board in front of him, he may not have known how to use it. I'm just saying that there are so many different places that so we fantasize so much about the, the, the spotlight that, hey, you know, what if that's not for you? Yeah, as there's much other parts. As I wanted to be an FBI agent when I was a 13-year-old, I am a fat, <laughs> fat 19-year-old man who sits in a chair behind a computer all day. And I'm fine with it because I'm good at it and I like it. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like if I was to go back into the whole idea of music, yeah, if I had the opportunity to play in front of people, I would do it. I would take it. People may not like me. I may get rotten eggs and tomatoes thrown at me, and that'd be fine. Uh-huh. That's part of the charade. But I'm I'm way better at a sound engineer. I'm a good sound engineer. Uh-huh. I've ran sound for the church for what? I'm 19, started at 16, so I've been running it for three years now. Every mm-hmm. Wednesday night, I've I've learned the board, and that's the point. That's the point is you learn what you're good at. Mm-hmm. But if you're not good at it. You're just going to struggle forever. Yeah. Or you get better. But the thing is that a lot of times, it just you just stick with what you know. Is and, what I'm saying. And I'm not saying that the Avid Light, that wasn't where they needed to be. It's not for me to say. I'm just trying to share a little encouragement. Yeah. And say, hey, well, they may not be good performance on the stage, but I liked some of the stuff they wrote. So maybe someday they'll have the opportunity to write with some... People who actually do make it, and then their name can get out too because they were the writers. Yeah, and beyond all that, and this is something we'll probably talk about in the future, but it's people don't realize the people you see up on stage, the people here on the radio, that's one percent of all music. Right, right, right. There is so much music out there that does we never hear. Like guys, just think about all the bands that you like and you follow and you know, and draw a giant circle. On a piece of blank paper and put a dot in the middle of it, like a dot, just one little pin dot. And that's all the music you really know. Yeah. Because outside of that dot is is music that was never appreciated. Just mm-hmm. straight up. Or music that never made it or Right. You know, just, there's so many stories. So that's why like I feel like even for them it wouldn't be or not for anyone who wants to be a musician, it would not be a bad thing that, oh man, you only have 20 friends at your church that would listen to your music. Oh, I put out an album, 20 songs, go buy it, it's a dollar on iTunes. See, that I feel like would still be a success to me. Yeah. Like, no, it's, it's like, not about how much money you make. It's, you know? well, I, I saw, I read a great. Okay, I'm not going to say that. It is about how much money you make. If you're trying if you to make, make a, it a career. career. But like, but, so, I've came to terms that I probably will never be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, I it's like a great thing I heard the other day. I think it was on YouTube. They were talking about one-hit wonders, right? And yeah. they said, you know, the thing to think about... Give Solomon a moment while his phone rings. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, so They said the thing that... Maybe I'll edit that out later. So let me start over. No, don't edit it. It's fine. This is... Guys, this is dry cut. You get it the way it goes. <laughs> okay, so... Um, I was listening to a great thing the other day. Where Just they- be happy there's no political jokes. 
Uh, where they just talk about one-hit wonders. Right. And they said, the thing to think about with one-hit wonders is maybe you shouldn't um, think how poor they are that they never made it bigger. Right. Maybe you should just be impressed that they had one hit. Because right. that's so much more than that's anyone else so can say. That's so much more than so many others can say. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm getting called so bad. But anyway, yeah, I mean, like... That, that one hit is so much more than anyone right, else can say, you right. know? Like, if you think about it, like, how many... Like, I feel like almost the one-hit wonders are more, like, popular than even these, like, rock and roll groups that have been going around for 50 years playing hit songs. Because, like, you hear about those one hits and you're like, oh, whatever happened to them? And, like... You're like, well, that was a pretty good song, and it's still top over these songs that are still going out there with these you, bands. You and know? then you hear about the Rolling Stones, and you're like, oh, they're still alive? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, good night, Mick Jagger. <laughs> Neither here nor there. <laughs> so that is the Avid Light. Yeah. Um, well, what we know I, of them. What we know about Barely. them. <laughs> but I think that it, that raised, I like this little segment. Right. I like I, the talking enjoyed, about what happened to them. I've enjoyed know? the I've enjoyed the change. I think that this is going to work yeah. real well for us. Uh, yeah. We hope you guys have enjoyed it too. Uh, you know, it's 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 mainly about how much fun we have, and if you listen to it, we hope you have fun. Exactly. So, so one last segment because I like groups of three. Right. So last segment we're gonna do is um, random topic. Random so here's, topic. Oh no. Here, here's my random topic. <laughs> um, we're gonna run through tonight. Um, is the LP still a viable format? Like the actually like like late like the so vinyls no like when I say LP I mean a group of songs usually about ten to twelve right. is the average number yeah. right we got about ten anything below ten is automatic like legally when they oh, it's produce eight, it eight or less nine uh, can still be an LP can it mm-hmm. uh, I was okay then I eight must have bad information okay so. But a group of 10 to 12 songs that artists put out every few years, right? Right. Is that still viable as a format? Because, obviously, physical CDs are way down. No one Right, nobody them. listens to them. So, with the advent of streaming, which most of the time is on shuffle anyways, is there any point in artists still releasing full albums? I don't know. You know what? That That's a very... Hmm... That's like, a very good point. Well, like, actually, should we just go back to like how they did it in the fifties? Like Frank Sinatra, he would just release a bunch of singles. Okay, and that was I, his career, right? Right, right. Well, I feel like this is what we're doing right now. Is if we were release or, or if we were basing it on the way the CDs go, or no one buys CDs. If that's what we we're basing on it, basing it on, I would say no. There's no point in. And make and releasing full length albums anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, just might as I well mean, just release a new single, you know, every like twelve other singles week. a year. Yeah, you know. But this is what I think. I think yes, it is still uh, um, validated through touring. I feel like that's the main reason for touring is like, oh, we have these songs. Now that we have these songs, in order to make money off these songs, we should probably tour these songs. And I feel like, I mean, that may not be accurate, but, like, immediately what came to mind when you asked that question, that's what ran through my mind. My simple little mind. Yeah. Um, I vote that LPs are still viable as a concept. I feel like being confined by uh, 70 minutes, 14 songs, is no longer necessary. Right. Um, 
so what I mean by that is I it's no it's no um secret I'm a big fan of albums mm-hmm. simply for the fact that I look at an album much like I look at a movie and that you you don't watch a movie just for the random clips. Yeah, sometimes you do. Sometimes you'll watch a YouTube clip of oh that was a funny scene in a movie. But for the most part, you watch a movie from beginning to end and enjoy it for all its yeah, the whole entire story. The whole story. You you enjoy, you know, the subtleties, the good, the bad. You just you take it as a whole package. And I feel like the good albums at least work best like that. Right. Um so I'm so probably the album that comes to mind that's more recent. Um, I would say, so Switchfoot's Native Tongue comes to mind. Okay. So that album, um, they released it, I think this year or was it last year? Yeah, it was like last late year. last year. Yeah. I think it was like September, of last, October of last year. Okay. Which is usually, it's funny, I found that that's usually when they're releasing their albums is in the fall. Hmm. So that album, it almost works like a full story. Right. Um, there's a few songs that are just nothing but um, single bait on them. Like, right. I can just they're, tell they're, they're just, just trying, trying to ride to, the tr- trends. Yeah, they're trying to, yeah, yeah. I mean, but, and that's also part of a ne- the, the necessity of being a part of it. Well, no, they're fully independent now, aren't they? Uh, they technically are still part of a label, but I think they have enough clout that they're like, their label just distributes. They can do whatever they want. Gotcha. They're, yeah, they're like, oh, we trust you, John. Yeah, because John and you, Tim, you made us you guys money. got this. You've made us. Yeah, we're rich because of you. We know you're poor, but it's okay. <laughs> Actually, I bet they're not too poor. I bet so, they're okay. The album, but the album's concept was, you know, love is our native tongue, which is what Switchfoot's always been about, right? Right. And I feel like each song on the album did tell some part of the story about love. And while that's a very simple concept, it still worked as an album. I enjoyed listening to it from front to back. Right. But then some albums come out. And I'm trying to think of one that comes to my head because I, I am horrible about listening to new stuff. I uh, I listen to a lot of old stuff, but some albums come out and you're like, you know what? This doesn't strike me as a a full story. It strikes me as a collection of skits, um, you know, as just a bunch of singles right. and then some leftovers they threw on an album. Yeah, different ideas. Just yeah, I feel and calling like... it an album. Right. So I I guess I say all that to say. <laughs> As far as if LPs are still viable, my opinion on it is if you don't feel like you have a solid idea for a collection of songs, like if those collection of songs aren't telling a, a singular story. Right. And I'm not saying concept Or maybe albums, even not but, like, maybe not even necessarily a single story as much as it's like... They all each, fit together. Yeah, they all fit together. It's like, you know those movies that always start out with like... Oh, it's this guy and it's telling his story. Then it's the next guy and it's telling mm. his story. But by the end of the movie, movie, they've come together in some way or their story has collided in some way. That's how I feel about an album. I like that dramatic. So um, a great example of that is Frank Sinatra's In the Wee Small Hours. Um, it's a classic album of the 50s. And he didn't write any of the songs because Frank Sinatra, he always had other people write his songs, right? Right. But the cool thing about this is this album was written in the wake of like a a messy relationship he was going through. And he very specifically said, okay, I want all these songs to kind of fall into what I'm feeling with my heartbreak and what I'm feeling with my emotions right now. Yeah. And even though he didn't necessarily have, um, he didn't necessarily write the songs or anything, they all flowed very nicely with that theme of him going, 
you know, I feel like crap right now. I want some songs to reflect that. Right. It and was, that's the point. That's it, the point. That, is and like, it worked as an album, amazingly, you know? See, n- not every song has to necessarily be about... A subject. Like, like a subject as much as a, like a, a reference... Or a feeling, uh, a feeling uh, to that subject, like yeah, like not in a whole album. Native Tongue. We'll just use that for example. Yes, the album was about love, but like I feel like Switchfoot did a very good job of not making every song like about like love. If you know what I mean, like they did a very good job making it about you know purpose. What like they give you reasoning, you know? Yeah, and, and that's I don't one feel thing like that's about perfect them. as an album, but it's, it's... right, right. But like I feel like the 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 main thing with writing an album is not necessarily the the subject as much as it's the philosophies leading to the subject through every song. So long as the songs feel like they go together. Right. Yeah, that's the that's the That's point right that's there. the big thing is that they should feel like they go together. Um so I feel like if you're going to release an album nowadays with with it basically being pointless your songs should have a purpose. Like, I picked all these songs, I wrote all these songs, whatever, with a central purpose. They all are supposed to be together. Right. To, to For whatever reason, to tell my story, right? Yeah. Well, when I say tell my story, I don't mean a concept album. I just mean they are telling, they are making, they're, they're, they're making, invoking something. Right. Like, and see, um, like, that's the whole thing. Is I, Like, I, I look as, I don't necessarily always look at an album as, a part of someone's life as much as I can sometimes look at an album as a life itself. As like, wow, this album is a life and all these songs reflect the different feelings in this life. Yeah. The different periods or the different feelings that this life is going through. Which see, like, yes, yeah, sometimes that sometimes we do connect to the writer, but sometimes we connect to the physical copy. I'm just saying. And then, so I feel like if you're not going to do that, if you're just going to release a whole bunch of catchy singles, don't bother with an album. Right, don't bother there, with there's an album. There's no point. Just but then release maybe a whole bunch later of on, Maybe later on, put it on an album, you know? But but don't even call it an album. Call right. it your greatest hits collection. I don't care. Right. But yeah. don't pretend like it's an album when it's not. If it's just a collection of songs, just let it be a collection of songs. Yeah. Release them as singles and let people stream them on Spotify. If you're not going to release a proper... If the songs aren't supposed to go together, don't pretend like they should. Yeah, don't pretend. Like, just... Um, Fake news. So, I will give an example of this. Um, I just totally lost my train of thought. Never mind. My example was... Okay, if I'm going to give an example, because I'm old. Super Chick's last album. It does not work as an album. It right. works as a collection of singles. It works as... Um, really good music, but as an album, it doesn't hold together. Right. Okay. And so that's what I mean when I say it's, um, oh darn it. What is that album called? I can't even remember now. Um, if anyone can remember Super Chick's last album. (laughs) Good job. Put that in the comments. (laughs) Yes. Cause we would love to remember that. Um, I'm a, I'm a Super Chick fan. No, I, I was just, I was being sarcastic to the fact that like it wasn't a real album. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. That's how I feel about albums. I got that off my chest now. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, once again, we are the Brothers King. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to us. And keep being the glimpse of eternity. Right on, guys. Peace out.